Good to be here, and I have called many of you last week, and and I know many of you got a phone call from me, and I'm glad that you're here. And uh, such a good crowd today. Don't y'all miss anyone, all right? Count everybody. It's like the election, count them twice, okay? There we go. I called somebody last week and they said, uh, uh, now, Brother Richard, I had no idea why you're calling me. And I said, well, uh, I said, I'm, I'm just trying to reach out and call folks. And she said, well, she said, when I saw your, your name on my caller ID, she said, I thought to myself, now I'm not sick and I'm not dying. Why is he calling me? <laughs> Isn't that terrible? mean you're known for calling people when they're sick or dying and sometimes I just want to want to talk to people yeah Pam I'm glad you made it all right and uh, all right Pam got here two minutes ago so uh, <laughs> now now don't defend her Ada <laughs> ladies stick together they do. Ah, uh, Gospel of Mark. Take your Bible, find the book of Mark. Remember, it's the Gospel of John Mark. John, the Hebrew name, Mark, the Roman name, Marcus. And uh, Marcus writes to a Roman audience. There is no mention of a birth, no shepherds, no wise men, no nativity. Mark gets right to the heart of the matter. The Gospel. Mark chapter 1 verse 1, the beginning of the Gospel. So Mark is laser beamed in on this thing called the Gospel. Now, the Gospel is described in 1 Corinthians 15 as the story of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. Now, when you and I think about the Gospel, the Gospel has the power and the authority to change lives. Romans 1.16 says, it's the very power of God unto salvation. God can take a dead sinner and make him a live saint. God can take our past and bury it in the deepest part of the sea. He can make all things new. I'm glad that uh, when I got saved, God made me a new creation. You know, when I was growing up, um, I had two doses of the devil in me. I mean, I, I had a double dose. <laughs> to say I was mean and ornery would be an understatement. I'm probably the only guy you know of in the second grade got kicked out of school. <laughs> I really did. In fact, they wouldn't let me come back. And uh, I was so mean. I, I just mean as a devil. And... Uh, 
He ended up going to a little private school for a while because the public school wouldn't have me. And um, after I did my time there, I got back in public school. Then I hit the seventh grade and got kicked off a school bus for a while and uh, got in several fights in school. And uh, anyway, God saved me and God called me to preach. And God does have a wonderful sense of humor. I was thinking about different folks who have gotten a call from God. Last Wednesday night I talked about a guy named Truett Cathy, founder of Chick-fil-A. Uh, Truett Cathy said he got a call from God to make chicken and uh, have a chicken sandwich. The first name that Truett Cathy had for his restaurant, the Dwarf Cafe. Can you imagine the Dwarf Cafe? I'm glad he came up with Chick-fil-A. But Truett Cathy died at 93. And Truett Cathy said, I always felt I had a call of God upon my life. Now, sometimes Baptists talk about, you know, preachers being called to a church, but I believe that every single person has a call of God upon their life. God calls people, not just preachers. I was talking to uh, Bob and Marie. Really talking to Bob, alright? He was speaking for Marie. Yeah, men, you know how that works, alright? Not too well, usually. But anyway, Bob was speaking for Marie. Talking about tennis. And he was making a joke, and I said, Well, I, I said, now Bob... Uh, Pam and I play a little tennis. And so uh, Bob volunteered, alright, that one day, Pam, you may not know this, but, <laughs> but you and me, Pam, we're going to play Bob and Marie in a tennis match, alright? <laughs> you guys spot us some points, okay? Interesting how when you get a call from someone, conversation goes in weird, strange directions. When Jesus calls people, He calls them in three different areas. For salvation, sanctification, or service. I believe that no one can be saved unless they are called, wooed, and courted by the Spirit of God. There is a courtship that goes on there. And so, the Spirit of God convinces us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through Him. Lost man does not have a desire to seek God. He is depraved. He is a goner without the Spirit of God. Salvation. Sanctification is the setting apart for the Christian life. Every child of God, I believe, gets a second call saying, I want you to serve me in this area. I have set you apart in this area. Now, sometimes 
People come up and they say, now, I know the church has this need. I want to volunteer this person over here. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've had somebody come to me and volunteer somebody else? Thousands of times. Well, I believe oh so-and-so, they'd be great at that and uh, I'll just volunteer them. I'll write their name down on the nomination big card and slip it in here and, and uh, I'll just volunteer them. Happens all the time. My wife uh, volunteered me one time for something. Well, she has many times, but one time in church she came home and she said, uh, by the way, you and I are teaching a uh, children's Sunday school or vacation Bible school class. I said, when did I volunteer for that? She said, I signed you up. <laughs> it happens, doesn't it? Salvation. Sanctification. And then this thing called service. Now, if you look here in your Bible, Mark chapter 1, 14 through 20. Let me deal with verse 14 and 15 and then we'll hit 16 through 20. Verse 14 and 15. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the Gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the Kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. You find those two phrases there. The Gospel. Mark is taken with this thing called the Gospel. Believe the Gospel message. Now, John the Baptist, arrested, taken into custody. So, so now there is a, a void, there is a vacuum. And so Jesus begins His ministry at the very time that John is arrested. And so, Jesus begins in verses 16 through 20 to start calling people. And so I want to read 16 through 20 as we look at the rest of the text. Beginning in verse 16. As He was going along by the Sea of Galilee, He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow Me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed Him. Going on a little farther, He saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who were also in the boat mending the nets. Immediately, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Now, the word immediately. Remember I told you last week, that word is found 42 times in the Gospel of Mark. 42 times. And that's why I think I enjoy Mark so much. It is a fast-moving gospel. It's always filled with action. And so Mark says, immediately this happened. Immediately they were called. 
and immediately they went to follow the Lord. Now, the scene that day, Jesus walks by the Sea of Galilee. And He finds some fishermen. He finds James and John and Simon and Andrew. And He reaches out to them and calls them to follow Him. Jesus is still calling people to follow Him. Aren't you glad for that? He calls us to follow in His steps. He calls us to follow Him into a better life. He calls us to follow Him into the way of holiness. He is always calling people, especially in the area of salvation, sanctification, and service. Now, hang on, alright, listen to this. There are six observations I want to share with you about the calling of the Lord. Alright, six observations. Number one, His call is personal. It's personal. In verse number 17, the Bible says there that Jesus said to them. Now hang on to that. Jesus said to them. Verse number 20, He called them. You find all the way through here, it is the Lord of glory that reaches out and calls people personally. Aren't you glad that we have a personal faith? A personal Savior. He called them specifically. Now, why these four guys? I don't know. Would I have called them? Absolutely not. They would not have been my choice. But Jesus reached out specifically and called these four. Now, when He called them, He found them working. I am, I am not a good fisherman. Let me take that back. I'm a good fisherman. I'm not a good catcher. Alright? I uh, went fishing with a guy one time and uh, we were at Lake Watery. Anybody ever been fishing at Lake Watery? Alright, many of you. I was out there at Lake Watery early in the morning and this guy's name was Grady. Grady said, uh, Preacher, I'm going to put us in the spot and we're going to catch some fish. I said, all right, Grady, I'm ready. So man, I got out there and went by the store and got me some crackers and Vienna sausage. <clears throat> you know, that's what you eat when you fish, all right? <laughs> got me a Diet Coke, all right? So I had them little can of sausages and crackers and my, my Diet Coke, and I'm ready. So I got out there in the boat. He looked at me and said, you going to fish with that? I said, yeah. And he said, what you got there? I said, well, I got a, a rod and reel made in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Zebco 33. I said, man, I'm going to fish with this. And he looked at what I was going to fish with, and he said, what in the world is that? I said, well, it's called a small oaky bug. I said, it's a spinnerbait. He said, preacher, let me give you something you catch fish with. 
So he gave me something called a Cordell spoon. And yeah, I heard someone say, oh yeah, Cordell spoon. So I put that Cordell spoon on there and I fit. Grady that day caught 30 fish. I caught three. <laughs> and was glad to get that. Now, Jesus calls fishermen because they know how to work. I tell you, there, there are a lot of folks in our world today, they got the disease called TB. I got a tired bottom, alright? And they don't know how to work. You know, there, there is no room in the kingdom of God for people that don't want to work. I mean, it's just work etching out the Christian life. It's work. And so, Jesus found these guys working. Now, I want to show you something here. In verse number 17, Jesus said, I will make you become fishers of men. And I'm sure there was some arrogance there. They were saying, well, hey, now listen, carpenter, <laughs> we can tell you how to fish. Jesus said, I'm going to show you how to really fish. You're going to become fishers of men. Now, you find two different phrases here about these guys. In verse number 16, it says that Simon and Andrew were casting a net. They were casting a net. Now, remember that. They were casting. Now, you find down in verse number 19 that James and John were doing what? Mending. You see, some folks are called to cast. That's evangelism. Filling the nets. But once they're in the net, you've got to hang on to them. And that's the people mending the nets. And so, we need both evangelism and discipleship in the church. There's got to be the casting of the net, but there's got to be the mending to hang on to them. Now regardless of the type of call that we get, whether it's casting or mending, it is always a personal call from the Lord. I do think there are guys in the ministry, and this is just my opinion, I do think there are guys in the ministry that have failed miserably because Mama wanted them to be a preacher. And Mama pushed them into it. I think there are guys in the ministry that are there. They are mean, <laughs> aggravated, and frustrated because they've never had the call of God upon their life. And without the call of God, I got news for you. You're going to quit real quick. Because some days you go home on Sunday night and you say the only thing keeping me in this is that there is a call of God upon my life. It's always personal. Alright, number two. Second observation. His call is private. He called them. 
In verse number 20, you find that phrase, He called them. And in verse number 20, He called them to leave their father Zebedee. A private call. Jesus passed by that day and He called these four men. Now here's my question. What's wrong with Zebedee? Why didn't He call Zebedee? What about the other people that were there? Why didn't He call them? Well, here's the answer. He didn't want them. And that the Lord of glory can choose whom He wants to put into the place that He desires. And we should never be jealous of somebody else's position in the kingdom of God. It is always a private call. If you got your Bible, I want you to look over to Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Romans 10, verse 10. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Look at that verse. Romans 10, verse 10. And somebody read that. Just haul off and read it. Romans 10, 10. Thank you, Prince. I had a couple people read. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Prince. All right. Now, the point there is that with the heart, all right, with the heart, a person believes. If you look at Romans 10, 10, it says it's got to be a heart experience. One of the things I believe that everybody deserves to have is that they deserve to have the Gospel explained to them in their heart language. The reason why we have IMB missionaries around the world is because everyone deserves the right to hear the Gospel in their heart language. Now, I believe that what goes on in a person's heart, no one knows but the person. That's why you and I are very, very poor judges about who's saved and who's lost. We don't know. Now, I understand we can see the fruit on the outside, but we don't know what is happening, what is going on in a person's heart. I do know this, that His call to salvation, sanctification, and service is always private. It's always private. Now, you're going to think this is a contradiction. But number three, third observation. His call is public. Verse number 20 again. To follow Him. You can be saved in a private way. But you cannot, you must not live the Christian life like that. It is always public. The Lord does a private work, but He gets no glory unless there's a public walk. Let me say that again. The Lord may do a private work, but He gets no glory unless there's a public walk. We find in the Bible two examples of guys that want to be private disciples. Joseph 
of Arimathea, John 19.38, and Nicodemus in John chapter 7, we find both of these guys want to be private disciples. They want to hide behind the scenes, but God doesn't bless a private discipleship. There must be a public walk. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 says, We are to be salt and light in this world. In other words, we are to be out there changing, making a difference in the world. I heard a preacher one time preach a message entitled, Get the Salt out of the salt shaker. He was an African-American preacher, great man of God, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge, and he'd, he'd say, get the salt! And then he'd stand back a little bit and say, out of the salt shaker. He'd talk about the power of you and I influencing and changing people around us. And so, we find that we are to follow Him publicly in the arena of life. I'm glad for the public ministry of our church. Can you imagine how that today the Gospel will be preached, broadcast in three different states, markets around the world. You can watch the, the sermon today streaming live around the world. There is a public part of the ministry. You know, the choir getting together to sing. Man, that's a public event. Steve Phillips says that when the choir sings, we build a throne for God to sit on to inhabit the praises of His people. Oh, there's a public part of our ministry. John chapter 9, verse 4 says, We must work the works of Him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Alright, number four, moving on, number four. Fourth observation about the call. His call is precious. Precious. Now these guys, according to verse number 16, for they were fishermen. Fishermen. Have you ever read the book of First Peter? Does it sound like a fisherman? And as you read and as you ponder these uneducated lay people, but yet when they were filled with the power of God, when they were instructed by the Holy Spirit, they wrote, they testified, they preached, they challenged. Man, they got on fire. Look at Pentecost. They changed their world by the precious power of the Gospel. God calls ordinary people. I'm so glad He does. God calls people from Henrietta, Oklahoma. God calls people from Sherrod. God calls people from over there in Pelion. God calls people from everywhere. 
He did. <laughs> he does. He calls from the gutter. Someone said he calls from the guttermost to the uttermost. He does. He does. That's true. The salvation of the Lord is special. It's precious. It's valuable. Jesus said it's like a pearl of great price that you hold up to the light. There is no comparison on earth. Anything here fades away, but His salvation is precious. Alright, got to move on. I know that's good preaching ground. <laughs> number five, number five. His call is pricey. Pricey. You look at verse 18, verse 20. You find that uh, they left the nets. I've often thought about old Zebedee. Man, he was out of luck, wasn't he? <laughs> he lost his hired hands. But you know what? Peter, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, and James, and John, they lost their income. They were going with this rabbi from Galilee, walking by faith. It'll always cost you something to follow the Lord. We live in a day and time where some folks want the crown, but they don't want the cross. But if Jesus couldn't have the crown of glory without the cross, what makes you not think we can? There is always a cost to following Jesus. Sometimes it'll cost us our friends. It'll cost us maybe a job. It'll cost us something. Never will forget early in my ministry, I, when I was 17 years of age, I was called to preach and and uh, I had a job over there at Stone's Grocery in Choctaw, Oklahoma, not too far from Jones. And, and I had to walk in and tell my boss these words. I love my job, but God's called me to preach. And if you schedule me on Sunday, I can't work here anymore. Man, I needed that job. His name was Don. Don looked at me and said, I'll work it out. We won't schedule you on Sunday. Now they've worked me to death the other six days of the week. But as long as I worked there until I went to college, I didn't have to worry about working on Sunday. But I made the decision. If it cost me my job, if I was eating crackers, I'd do it. Because I made that commitment. Pricey. Alright, number six. We're going to wrap this up. Six and last. His call is powerful. Powerful. They would become fishers of men. Verse 17. Simon Peter, on the day of Pentecost, thousands heard and thousands responded to the Gospel. How many people through the years have read the writings of Peter, have heard the testimony in the Word of God and gave their life to Christ? Millions 
have come to Christ because they were faithful. It is a powerful thing to see the change in someone's life. Years ago, the Gospel hymn writer wrote the hymn, I stand amazed in the presence. I think about these four fishermen. They were called and they stood there amazed in the presence of the Lord. Let me read the first verse of this wonderful hymn to you. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how He could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. How marvelous! Oh, how wonderful! And my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous! Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Man, Lord, I stand amazed today in Your presence. I'm amazed at how You could love me, a sinner, undone, unclean. But Lord, Your love was set upon me. And I thank You today for the call. The call to salvation. The call to sanctification. The call to service. May we be obedient to Your call today. In Jesus' wonderful name, Amen. Y'all have a great day.